Broadcasting for Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Warner and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com. It is a Monday. It is October 9th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortero with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Plenty of reaction to the Arizona Cardinals' loss to the Bengals. Week 5 in the NFL. The Diamondbacks getting a huge win over the Dodgers. Game 2 in the NLDS taking place today. More from around the Major League Baseball playoffs, reaction to college football. Boy, oh boy, sports are in full swing, that's for sure. Uh, we also have to congratulate the Friday spread by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits win from Friday. We are now 6-0 and on the season. They took Bengals minus three, and we'll obviously dive into that particular contest here momentarily, but 6-0 and in our weekend picks. Let's reset the scene, or set the scene, I should say, with today's poll questions and we'll start with kdos1060.com poll question do the diamondbacks beat the dodgers again tonight and no has taken the lead here at 70 percent of the vote yes now trailing at 30 percent well the betting market which has really been anti-diamondbacks the entire season uh anti-diamondbacks again for the most part the market itself has just pretty much been kind of flatlining uh, but, you know, they opened uh, eight to five underdogs and they're pretty much at this checked at the top of the hour here. Still eight to five underdogs, even though you know their ace, Zach Allen, is pitching against rookie Bobby Miller. We'll answer that question in its entirety around 1130 today. Tossing this on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Should the Cardinals coaching staff be criticized for, for allowing Jamar Chase to catch 15 passes for 192 yards and three touchdowns? Yes, out in front, 57.1% of the vote. No trailing at 42.9%. Well, I don't have time to watch a lot on Sunday and Sunday night, but NBC, NFL Network, and ESPN all questioned you know, what the strategy of the Cardinals was. Uh, and I think most people that watch the game definitely question what are they, what are they trying to do here, um, even more so because T. Higgins wasn't even here. Uh, yes, he was not out with that rib injury that he suffered in the previous week. Uh, we'll take your phone calls if you'd like to chime in about the poll questions or anything else from the weekend that was 1030 and 1115 602 260 1060 is the number 602 260 1060. Let's dive into this Arizona Cardinals Bengals game. It was a 34 to 20 victory for the Bengals. Uh, the, Bang- the Cardinals got things started by going three and out twice to start the game found themselves down early in a 10-0 hole head coach Jonathan Gannon said after the game here yeah we got behind the eight ball a little bit they went all down the field scored we went three and out they went all the way down the field again I think they kicked a field goal so we are spotting them 10 points right there but a play here or there give them credit they made some plays they got good players and then I felt we got back in the game we started rolling a bit you know defense forced a couple of punts offense scored some points had the goal line stand there and then I think 
think they had the pick six, so lost a little momentum there. But when I think when you're spotting them points, that affects play calling on all three sides. You got to be able to come from behind, but we got to make sure we aren't spotting teams points, which we've done the last two weeks now. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but uh, you know, just the strategy or lack thereof. You know, Marco Wilson, who has been bad. Uh, for the majority of the first four games, you decide that he's going to shadow Jamar Chase in this game. Really? Okay. That's that was you know a, you know faulty strategy to begin with, and the fact that you know what whatever happened to the strategies you take try to take away the team's best offensive threat, they didn't seem to pay any attention to the team's best offensive threat. Also, the Cardinals have a quite frankly uh, maybe a handful. Maybe two, but probably a handful of uh, players that are really capable NFL starters. And they lost two of those guys during the game yesterday, and James Conner and Jalen Thompson. That didn't help any at all yesterday. And Joshua Dobbs, for the first time since he's been with the Cardinals, kind of showed why he's been with three different franchises in less than a calendar year. He was bad yesterday, whether it be taking a foolish sack on that first possession of the game uh, then, uh, you know, that's was that, that the first drive or the second drive when he overthrew uh, second drive. You know, Hollywood Brown? Okay, Hollywood Brown. Uh, and then he just, you know, the play that they made, uh, first up, why are they throwing it into the, the first half from your own end zone? Just get out of there and punt the ball and take your chances. Uh, but, you know, that was just, uh, I don't know what he was not seeing there because obviously it was, uh, you know, there, there were like a, handful of Bengals defenders there to they almost had to fight each other to intercept that pass which turned out to be the pick six so he was bad and then there's you know this team has no margin for error and they made tons of them whether it be coaching staff quarterback or defensive strategy Yes. So let's start there with uh, Josh Dobbs. And uh, that was certainly, I think, a major change to the game here. You have this incredible goal line stand on third and fourth down by the Cardinals defense. Two plays later there, Josh Dobbs throws the pick six and it puts the Bengals up 17 to 14. After the game, Dobbs was asked who the pass was intended for because Pascal and Brown were both in the vicinity there. He said it was intended for Hollywood. Uh, But this was, to your point, the first game that we've seen Dobbs really off uh, maybe trying to do a little bit too much he missed Hollywood down the left side to open up the game there in the second second possession two critical interceptions as well as a critical lost fumble uh, so that was certainly to your point here the Cardinals are in a position where they have to play mistake-free football and uh, the turnover margin was not in their favor to that point Jonathan Gannon was asked about the takeaway bat here and he said yeah what did we lose the takeaway battle three to one it's just a hard way to go we got to do a better job execution wise protecting the football that's all 11 and we got to get that cleaned up if you're losing the takeaway battle our guys know that's a winning stat you're not going to win a lot of games even good teams uh, can't lose the takeaway battle and expect to win a lot of games if you're a bad team and one of the least talented teams in the nfl you have zero chance to pretty much win a game if you're that bad and just giving the ball away. Uh, and I think actually think, you know, I actually think that the Dobbs, you know, the biggest question about him, I think around the league and even before he got into the league when he was at Tennessee was his accuracy. 
And that had been, to me, the biggest surprise through the first, you know, roughly fourth games of the regular season. Uh, he's been mostly very accurate. And uh, yesterday, from literally the first drive of the game, and especially, as you mentioned, that second possession uh, with the uh, the Brown incompletion, uh, woefully inaccurate on a lot of pass, Even some passes that were completed yesterday were inaccurate. Uh, and then the other thing is, as far as the strategy on the offensive side, uh, you've got Michael Wilson, who was tremendous the week before with two touchdowns. He didn't get a target for the first 57-plus minutes of the game yesterday. Not even a target. And the Bengals had two of their best defensive backs that were injured during the game. And he got one. He didn't get a target for 57 minutes. Yeah, that was a little surprising there for sure, just because of his skill set, what he was able to accomplish there the week before. Uh, so trying to find some consistency there. Uh, there was definitely a lot of targets for Hollywood. Wanted to get him involved. And uh, even Swain, the tight end, uh, Jeff Swain, was getting some love there too. Uh, when it comes, though, to the other point that you brought up here defensively, Marco Wilson being tasked with shadowing Jamar T- Chase, it was almost a historic day for Chase. 15 catches on 19 targets 192 yards three touchdowns including that 63 yard bomb to start the second half Jonathan Gannon said post game here obviously as a defensive staff myself being the leader of that we didn't do enough on that side you can't let their best player beat you and that's what we just did so that falls solely on me and we can't let that happen again. So point blank, there's the game on defense. You let their best player beat you. I'm pissed off about it. It's my fault. We got to get that cleaned up. Duh. Uh, yeah, and you, know, you can change that during the game. I mean, it's not like you caught 15 passes in the fourth quarter. Uh, so what the hell were they doing? Um, I just don't understand. I didn't understand the strategy to begin with. And then I just, you got to, you know, if this is not working, if something's not working, whether it's, you know, a, you know, a football coach or life general for, you know, a person in, in you know, prof- the professional world, you know, if you're like a CEO for a major company and something that is obviously going horribly wrong, you don't stay with the same approach. You change it. And they never seem to even think about changing it. Now, was this something that was a, a critique from Eagles fans heading into, you know, uh, Jonathan Gannon coming here as head coach? Is that there wasn't uh, in-game adjustments or or things of that nature, like trying to make uh, make a make a change on defense when it clearly wasn't working with Marco Wilson being the shadower there? I have no idea. We didn't have to do that in Philadelphia because you had, you know, last year, not this year. Uh, because the Eagles secondary obviously has not had one game this season where they've had their preferred you know, starters. And to their credit, they're 5-0, and zero, but their defense hasn't been as good. But I, I'm not sure what the approach was last year, but you know, as far as you know, the, the Eagles fans, etc. But rarely was the defensive secondary criticized or really pretty much anything about their defense criticized until the Super Bowl when they suddenly couldn't get a pass rush. 
Uh, injuries did start to pile up there. Jalen Thompson left the game in the second quarter. He didn't return hamstring injuries, so that'll be something to monitor, but also uh, changes things on the defensive side of the ball. James Conner left the game after the big run that he had in the second didn't return, uh, so that is something to monitor moving forward, and maybe that changed some of the, the different play calling offensively. Amari DiPicato did uh, step in really nicely, and he had his first career touchdown in the contest. Antonio Hamilton was kind of in and out of the lineup two on defense first an ankle then a concussion evaluation here one other thing of note that uh so i i think until it changes is going to continue to be a theme uh watching the scoreboard in the fourth quarter the cardinals have been outscored now 54 to 7 in the fourth quarter and josh dobbs was asked about that he said yeah we are anxious to do that meaning fix it uh games in the nfl come down to the fourth quarter execution obviously first second third quarter quarter execution is important but fourth quarter execution is critical so it's frustrating especially as the quarterback of the offense for us to not do that like we had the ball in our hands two possession game opportunity to make it a one possession game and we didn't execute okay going back to a few things you cover a lot there so i just want to touch on two things first up hamilton going from for the most part barely playing to starter uh, was a bit perplexing to me. Uh, and then uh, Di Mercado is okay when the ball's in his hands. He's got to be a candidate for the worst pass blocker in the history of football. Uh, so, and that definitely hurt them, at least on one of those turnovers. You know, I'm going to defend Dobbs for that. He, he had no chance, uh, and he had to get rid of the ball. Uh, but it was, you know, pretty much a simple blitz pickup and no clue. Uh, so, you know, if, you, if he's not going to, if Dee Mercado is out there and I'm gathering uh, from what they said, at least on television and what they kind of hinted a little bit in the press conference after the game, I think it's say uh, I would be surprised if Connor plays next week. Uh, yeah, so definitely some food for thought here. Um, a couple of things that caught my attention. Do you think defenses are maybe catching up to Josh Dobbs, seeing a little bit more of tape and film on him, or just that lack of execution? And and maybe you know, to the point of Brian Blewis, who joined us on Friday talking about NFL props, but uh, he had the statistics to back it up in terms of how, there were no interceptions from Dobbs in the first four weeks, but there were passes that could have been intercepted. Uh, that those opportunities presented itself and the Bengals capitalized. I think that's partly true, but I'm not going to go completely nuts here. But as I mentioned, I think the biggest question about Dobbs when he was at UT and when he you know, was in bouncing around the NFL for you know, a couple years is was his accuracy. And his accuracy literally from the first drive of the game yesterday was bad. Uh, was it? I think he. I, I should know this, but I don't. I'm guessing it was under 50% for the game. Uh, and you know, I don't care whether you have good pass protection or not, uh, unless you're just, you know, unless you're Daniel Jones uh, and just completely under siege before the ball seemingly even snapped. And uh, you, know, you your accuracy has to be better than that. And it was poor. And uh, you know, like I said earlier, that to me that was the biggest surprise. The first four games is that he was so accurate. Because that kind of goes against everything that I had either heard or thought about him watching him previously in you know, limited time in the NFL in his career at Tennessee. Uh, he was 15 of 32, 166 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. 
And like 160 some yards, like two or three of those were just on big plays. You know, that's a lot of, uh, you know, non-productive completions too. So I, I think that there's kind of like, I guess, two different things to take away from this game. One, uh, you know, when the Bengals are feeling a little bit better, Joe Burrow, the calf, having some opportunities. They took advantage of them. They have more uh, talent roster-wise, top to bottom. So that was on display. And and so I think the roster rebuilding uh, certainly showed itself in this contest. But then also I think you take away some of the coaching decisions and coaching things that you have to learn through the process of just doing it. That was also on display for the Cardinals. Well, I think the biggest thing is, let's face it, this team's bad. And uh, they have, you know, I think everybody agreed before the season started, or most people, at least NFL people, that this is the least talented roster in the NFL. And when you have some of those players not playing, obviously Buddha hasn't been playing for a while. And, you know, Baker and Thompson, uh, excuse me, uh, excuse me, and uh, Connor and Thompson also get hurt. I don't think there's much of an argument that those are three of their five best players. Uh, and then DJ Humphreys yesterday is healthy, and he was a turnstile left tackle. Uh, Trey Hendrickson certainly had a big day. A uh, couple of sacks, including Did that fumble. Did whatever he wanted. Did whatever he wanted to do. That was, uh, you know, that that's two out of four games now that Humphreys has not been good at left tackle, and he absolutely, positively has to be one of your best players. We'll get into more around the NFL on the other side of the break. I think there's no question now who the best team so far through week five, although there is one more game left to go in week five, but through five, through week five in the NFL. Ra- who, Raiders are Raiders are going to surpass them with their monstrous victory tonight. Not going to pass the Niners. I, I don't think so. No, no, I don't. I don't. Okay. Well, somebody will probably suggest that if they win tonight, though, the Raiders, because they're the Raiders. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I mean, they are facing the Packers. Will it be a Packers home game in Las Vegas? I mean, who knows? I need the, I need the Raiders tonight. <laughs> we'll get into more NFL next. Bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m. Welcome back to Action Point on this Monday, October 9th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Take your phone calls today, 1030 and 1115. 602-261060 is the number. Let's go around the NFL. Is there any doubt now that the 49ers are the best team in the NFL? A complete walloping of the Cowboys last night, 42-10. to 10. Some numbers, Dak Prescott was 14 of 24, 153 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. Tony Pollard lost a fumble, eight carries, 29 yards, four catches, 35 yards. Meanwhile, Brock Purdy with the 49ers continued his efficiency, 17 of 24, 252 yards, four touchdowns. Jordan Mason, 10 carries, 69 yards Christian McCaffrey 19 carries 51 yards in the all-important touchdown as he continues to uh right. c- continues his touchdown streak <laughs> at 14 games now and then George Kittle every time he caught a pass he scored a touchdown three catches 67 yards and three touchdowns those are the only passes he caught I didn't realize that oh my <laughs> god <laughs> okay uh I'm gonna clean out the notebook here quickly 
the 49ers have scored at least 30 points in their first five games. That's their largest margin of victory ever in a game against Dallas. Last night was the 40th time they played Dallas. Uh, Purdy, four touchdowns, zero picks. And you know, he's 10-0 as a regular season starter now. Uh, and, you know, I, I heard a lot of things from Collinsworth last night and also Tim Hasselbeck on ESPN. I got the right Hasselbeck there? Yeah, Tim Hasselbeck. Uh, that they talked about how, you know, during the game Collinsworth and then Hasselbeck last night, how he is just so good at just understanding where the ball is supposed to go and just understands, you know, the reads, etc. He's brilliant at that. And I think that's maybe, you know, that's just as important as physical tools, of which he has some, but I don't think that arm strength is at the top of that list, but there's that. As far as the Cowboys are concerned, uh, it was uh, Mike McCarthy's uh, worst loss by margin, the the you know score in his coaching career. Uh, you mentioned the Dak uh, interceptions. He Dak said after the game it was the most humbling game he's ever been part of. Oh, and uh, the fact that they just can't run the ball with uh, their offensive line intact uh, for the first time in two years, and it's supposed to be a stud offensive line. They had a bunch of pre-snap penalties again. They had that here against the against the Cardinals, in fact, too. So there are two losses they've had in-snap penalties or pre-snap penalties, I should say, on both sides of the ball. And uh, they've, uh, you know, they, it's just kind of in, in three games that they've lost now the last three seasons against San Francisco, the Cowboys have scored a total of 39 points in those three games, a total of 39 points. So we had kind of discussed this a little bit with the Cowboys in terms of their first couple of games with their massive margins of victory and the defense put them in short field positions and situations. So we were kind of saying to ourselves, this new look Cowboys offense under Mike Carthy, it feels incomplete. We don't know how to assess it. Now, after playing this particular game, we know that the 49ers have a fantastic defense, but have we seen enough now to kind of say we have a better idea of what this Cowboys offense offense is and without the run game humming uh it 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 certainly has has struggles and isn't always firing on all cylinders humming is a very complimentary thing their running game has been mediocre uh yeah i know that they had a couple of games the cardinals game they had what 100 and some yards but they really weren't very good in that game you know dowdle had a huge run in that game where a lot of those yards came from Pollard, who I think people maybe are starting to realize what I wondered about. I didn't know for sure, but I just wondered if he was was an every down back. He's never been an every down back at Memphis in college or at the Cowboys. That dude cannot be a every down back running between the tackles. And I don't think they have a guy. And also a big part of their early season victories, they had tremendous special teams. They got their ass handed to them on special teams last night. Moving on to the Eagles, they topped the Rams 23-14. to Jalen Hurts had a really nice game, 25 of 38, where his numbers 303 yards and touchdown one pick, 15 carries, 72 yards, and a touchdown. A.J. Brown, six catches, 127 yards. If you've had Dallas Goddard on your fantasy team, he uh, had uh, a great game. I, be- I, I benched him. Oh. Didn't play. <laughs> well, thank you for thank, you didn't know that. Thanks for bringing it up. 
appreciate Sorry. it, Kayla. Thank you for that. I'm desperate for Jimmy G to get me 12 points tonight because I benched Dallas Goddard. Well, he had eight catches, 117 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, not to rub uh, that in. Uh, Cooper, okay, Cu- you can hear hear me cry on the air here. Suck it. Oh God. Cooper Cup, he made his debut for the Rams this season. Eight catches on 12 targets, 118 yards. Puka, seven catches on 11 targets, 71 yards, and one touchdown. Uh, but you know what? The, this game, you know, came down to we saw flashes i feel like of the eagles offensive old and then their defense was able to make some key plays i think we've kind of seen that in five games um you know they're they're it's only the fourth time ever they're five and zero i mean they were 13 out of 18 on third down they had the ball for like 37 or 38 minutes but they're just not scoring as many points as you would expect with those numbers and i think that's kind of been going on every week so i'm not sure what's going on there you know, the, as far as the Rams are concerned, you know, they've shown that they can hang uh, with San Francisco and Philadelphia, but clearly they're not good enough to close out the games against those type of teams. Uh, I feel also a little sorry for the Rams players, and uh, usually don't say that about professional, I don't say that about professional athletes, but it was another road game at home. Uh, for the Rams yesterday, if you just listened to crowd noise, you would have thought that game was in Philadelphia. Uh, not quite to the level of the Phillies fans uh, in the playoffs in Philadelphia, but uh, the, the defense of the Rams just couldn't get off the field, and uh, you know, hence the 37 or 38 minutes time of possession. But the Rams are better than I thought, but I also don't think that I heard it mentioned yesterday that maybe they're a contender. Give me a break. Um, that was before the game yesterday. I assume that that's not the same thought process that I heard on NFL Network yesterday morning about that, and I wish I would remember. I apologize for specifically who said that, but I just kind of laughed at the time, and I'm guessing they're not saying that now. Was it a contender to possibly be a wild card team? No, they thought a contender in the, because they played San Francisco down to the wire, and then you know they thought they could play Philly. and uh, But you know, they hang in there for like, like they're, do is I think I don't know if McVeigh's just running out of gimmicks or plays or whatever, uh, but you know they've got they've, they've got like 16 literally 16 or 17 rookies on this team, and while they're talented, they're not ready to you know anything be more than if if they go eight and eight this I guess you can't go eight and eight anymore right nope <laughs> if you they're can't. like a if you're like you can't even go 500 I was gonna say that next. If they're like around 500 this year, I think that's a tremendous season for this Rams roster. Uh, we'll get into one more before we take a break here. Uh, the Jaguars beat the Bills 25-20. to 20. It got a little hairy there at the end of the game, but uh, before all of that, it really wasn't that close of a contest here. Should we put some more weight when we're thinking about these games, especially with the Jaguars being in London for two weeks, uh, that that had a lot to do with their success here being acclimated to everything versus the Bills arriving week of and just a couple of days before the game? Yeah, I think that's definitely a good point. I also think the fact that Bills lost five starting players in this game, remember they're already shorthanded without two of their defensive starters to begin with. Uh, and the fact that Matt Milano is apparently out for the season now uh, with the knee injury and whatever is going on with him. I don't know if we've had an official word on that this morning. But, yeah, he's – I talked about him. uh, People probably got sick of me talking about him last year. 
but he's as good a defensive player or at least as important as a defensive player in any team in the NFL. And he got injured, and both teams were actually complaining about the playing surface in England yesterday in that field. And uh, the, the Bills obviously even more so. Von Miller got activated, and he had some kind of issue, and he couldn't finish the game. They had three other starters that left the game. So that there's that. Also, the NFL should be embarrassed. They can't figure out this hotel situation, apparently, uh, according to the NFL Network again. So I'm guessing that they're right about this. Uh, the uh, Jags stayed and you know, they've been there for two weeks. They got kicked out of their own, that hotel on like Friday when the Bills got there. They got kicked out and had to go somewhere else for like two days. They've had like months to figure this out. Give me a break. Uh, and obviously they couldn't quite figure that out. And then the playing surface was awful, which we've seen in several of these games that are not in the United States. That Whether is- it's Mexico City or whether it's England. Or you know, where did they play that game last year? Other than the, I forgot where they played last year. Was but it that Germany? Playing surface was, that sounds right. That place was just like, a, you know, it was like a, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like a, 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 an open field in like Iowa or something. It was just unplayable, but they played. And, the, you know, NFL is always con- so concerned about player safety. They should take charge of this. Somebody should. I mean, this is a joke. The Jaguars is a team, uh, 40 carries, 196 yards. Trevor Lawrence, he did fumble three times, lost two of them, but it was a win. The Jaguars are 2-0 now in their London contest before returning home uh, this weekend. And if you look at last year... Maybe they want to stay in London because they lost their last two home games in Jacksonville. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, if you look at last year, (laughs) uh, they kind of... I don't want to say turned their season around, but like kicked it into gear last year when they went to London. And now here, maybe the same thing for this Jaguars team going to London, getting two wins uh, and maybe being more of what people thought this Jaguars team could be. True. Lawrence was much more accurate yesterday. And, you know, that deep ball that he threw, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, to Ridley to clinch the game. That was one of the best passes I've seen anybody throw in the NFL this season. We'll get into more around the NFL on the other side of the break. Feel free to chime in if you'd like to. 602-260-1060 is the number. We have to address the Patriots scoring no points yesterday. Why? Why do we have to address this? What? This is a waste of our time, isn't it? They're bad. They're it, amongst the worst teams in the league. Yeah. it's. Uh, I have a statistic that I have to share, so that's why it has to be addressed uh, uh, with the Saints okay. did, uh, trouncing get, the Patriots. I, I get it. You did the work. I totally get it. You did the work, so we got to use the information for sure. Correct. No so we'll do that yeah. next here on KDOS AM 1060. Hey, Phoenix. Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDOS AM 1060. here on KDOS AM 1060. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. So we'll just go through it here quickly because it's not a good football team. Uh, The Saints trounced the Patriots yesterday 34-0. Here's my statistic that needed to be shared. Mac Jones has now thrown his fourth career pick six at Gillette Stadium. He has played in 19 games at home. 
Tom Brady has thrown four career pick sixes at his in in Gillette Stadium. He has played in Gillette 135 times. Okay. Well, I think it's three times. Is it three home games that they played this year? He's got three pick sixes at home, right? Yeah. This year? Yeah. So that that's an interesting stat, too. Tyron Matthew, who pretty much has been missing in action for three or four years, uh, had the pick six yesterday, if I got this note right. I think I do. Uh, so we'll see what happens. And it's really difficult to get benched as a quarterback two consecutive weeks. And that's what happened because the Patriots have now lost 72-3 to over their last two games. Uh, it's just been a complete disaster on offense. Mack certainly isn't a starter. Bailey Zappi, when he gets in, tries to do just way too much. Uh, so he's not really the answer here. So there's just a lot of question marks uh, surrounding New England. And you have to ask, I think... You know, has Bill Belichick, the GM, done this to Bill Belichick, the head coach, just with some drafts, some free agent decisions, et cetera, not kind of having that talent level around there that you're accustomed to seeing and at some of the key positions that you need to have? Well, I think for key positions for them, their offensive line is atrocious. I don't even know who the right tackle is. That guy is maybe the worst right tackle in, you know, Certainly in the NFL this year, that guy is awful. Uh, he doesn't block anybody. Uh, Cam Jordan, who was actually having a you know not good season until yesterday, was you know in the backfield the entire game. And uh, in fact, there were people in New Orleans and uh, people that watch the NFL wondering uh, for like the last month whether Cam Jordan should have retired. But yesterday, he was like the most dominant player out there for part of the game. I cannot get this Tennessee Titans team right. Uh, they go on the road to face the yeah, Colts. I'm, I'm right, right behind you in line. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a Colts victory, 23-16. to 16. Uh, But what was surprising, right? Derrick Henry, 13 carries, 43 yards. Tannehill, 23 of 34, 264 yards and one interception. They settled for a lot of field goals. Uh, for the Colts, it was a huge day for running back Zach Moss. 23 carries, 165 yards, two touchdowns. Touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor had just signed his three-year $42 million extension, so he was set to play, obviously in just a limited capacity, though, working his way back. Six carries for him, 18 yards, and then, of course, the thing to monitor for the Colts moving forward is the situation regarding Anthony Richardson. He left with a shoulder injury. Initial diagnosis is a grade three AC joint sprain. Gardner Minshew in at quarterback. But for a Titans defense that had really stymied the Bengals the week before they've kind of just been a little bit inconsistent well the thing that was most surprising to me about them yesterday is that they've been really good against the run for two years and they had no chance of stopping the run yesterday I just saw a bunch, you know, several of these things you just brought up I don't know if they're just kind of uh, trying to watch as much as this NFL Network Insiders show during our you know, commercial breaks as humanly possible but I just learned a couple of things during the last uh, or last uh, you know, segment there where we had you know, between segments. Uh, Zach, Zach Moss now has 800 plus rushing yards in his last eight games. Oh, wow. If you go back to last year and I was going to ask about him. I'm definitely going to ask about him. I was going to do it anyway, but even more so now in our fantasy football uh, segment tomorrow uh, with John McKechnie from rotowire.com. 
is uh, what do you do with him? Because obviously they're paying Taylor and he's going to be the guy here sooner or later once I assume he gets into, quote, football shape, etc. But uh, I would think that Moss is a trade candidate for the Colts now. We've talked about uh, you know Taylor getting traded for, you know at least I have, for like five or six weeks now. And now, you know, I think the Moss has been so good. He's actually been – he was good in Buffalo when he was healthy, but he was rarely healthy in Buffalo. Uh, so that dude's going to be, I think, traded uh, before the deadline. And where does he go? And what do you do with him fantasy-wise? That will be a topic of discussion tomorrow. The Ravens and the Steelers, the Steelers come out on top 17 to 10. Uh, These teams obviously always play hard. They have close battles, low scoring games. And the thing that certainly changed on a dime here when Lamar threw an interception in the end zone, second and goal with about four minutes to go in the game, Joey Porter Jr. got the pick there. If they would have scored a touchdown, it would have been completely out of reach for this Steelers team. Instead, they're able to go connect on a huge play with George Pickens. And there you go. The Steelers end up winning this game 17 to 10. And now the Ravens, as you had talked about it, uh, heading into this contest, if they would have won, would have really taken control of the AFC North. Now, instead, uh, you have the Steelers at three and two, the Ravens three and two, the Browns two and two and the Bengals at two and three. Weird game for Lamar. I mean, he throws some he threw some amazingly good passes, and he's not exactly the accuracy king usually. Uh, but he did, was yesterday, and they dropped like five passes, a couple for touchdowns. Uh, and then when the game was on the line, kind of what we've seen from Lamar, who has had horrendous fourth quarter numbers uh, throughout a large chunk of his career. Games on the line, he throws this stupid interception at the end zone, and that was just a stupid throw by him well, what are you doing um you know i don't think the play call i'm guessing the the play call i can't, they can't exactly tell you okay here's the play call whatever the name of the play is you either throw this to your dude or throw it out of the end zone and he threw it unfortunately you know right to porter uh which was a pretty easy pick for him and then after that you know the you know I totally understand he's under siege at that part from the Pittsburgh pass rush, but protecting the ball, that's a big deal then too. And the thing that uh, the, the stat that they had in the ESPN last night, I'm sure I mean, he's been hurt a lot. Lamar has. So I assume this is accurate. He's only played four games against the Steelers started four games against them and he's one in three against them. Oh, wow. Um, The legend of Desmond Ritter continues at home uh, as he orchestrated the game-winning drive, the field goal drive for the Falcons to go on top 21-19 over the Texans. Bijan Robinson, uh, 14 carries, 46 yards. Tyler Algier, 17 carries, 40 yards. The Falcons, though, had two fumbles in back-to-back possessions that certainly helped aid the Texans there, but uh, the Falcons picking up another home win. Yeah, one of those fumbles was by Bijan, who that was a really bad play by him. Uh, but the Falcons are undefeated at home, and I guess, as you mentioned, Ritter's the greatest quarterback of all time. I watched almost none of this game, so I really can't offer too much other than the fact that before Ritter had the game-winning drive, uh, C.J. Stroud took his team like 80-some yards to take the lead, and Stroud is thrown, still not throwing a pick. I'm amazed, and I understand that if you're people that cover the NFL, and, and I'm completely okay with this, you don't have time to watch every college game or many college games, for that matter, on a Saturday. But 
does anybody ever watch Ohio State football? And Stroud's accuracy was amazing. And if you don't watch on Saturday, I think that was the one thing that you know, the NFL draft experts seem to agree about with Stroud is that he's a tremendous accurate thrower at all levels. I think if you just watch a little bit of tape from pretty much any game that Ohio State played the last two years, you would have that opinion. Yet I hear every Sunday now for a month, people are so shocked that he's this accurate. That's his whole deal is his accuracy. I think this foundation is certainly being set there for the Texans, and it's uh, going to be a, a little bit of a rebuild process for them. But at least finding their quarterback, uh, they're on the right right track there. And they did get some offensive linemen back yesterday, as we anticipated would happen on Friday. So it looks like this upcoming game, uh, do they have a bye this week or is it the next week? Whatever. In the near future, they're going to have the guys that they really wanted as their five offensive linemen as their five offensive linemen. And actually, when we did our preseason preview of the uh, Texans, I actually thought they had a chance to be one of the better offensive lines in the league. And they have yet to play one game with all those guys playing yet. They'll play the Saints on Sunday. They will host the Saints. Well, that'll be a good test because the Saints do have a good defensive front. Actually, a good defense, period. We'll get into more from the NFL on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point. KDUS AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. By Superbook Sports. The Lions taking care of business against the Panthers, 42 to 24. Bryce Young, 25 of 41, 247 yards, three touchdowns, and two picks. And one of his interceptions, saw this in real time. Aiden Hutchinson, holy moly, that was an athletic play he had there, uh, snaring that little screen pass uh, away from the intended running back, and off he went. Uh, Jared Goff, 20 of 28, three, 236 yards, three touchdowns. He also continues to have a great connection there with tight end Sam Laporta, three catches, 47 yards, and two touchdowns. And David Montgomery, 19 carries, 109 yards, and one touchdown for the Lions. Yeah, really quick on uh, the Panthers, if you want to uh, listen to a Panthers talk, listen to the end of the discussion I had with Frank Schwab from Yahoo in the 915 segment of the Sports Zone. We got into the Panthers situation. They're really bad. I'll add one other thing. Every time I see Bryce Young, he seems like he's smaller than it was the previous time I saw him. Um, you know, just weight-wise, it seems like, I don't know if he's – yeah, they need some nourishment for this dude. Uh, he was thin to begin with, and he's like real thin now, and he's getting killed. As far as Lions are concerned, uh, they're the number one team in the NFL against the spread since Dan Campbell's been the head coach. And that's changed a lot because they used to be getting a lot of points, and yesterday they were laying double digits, and they were without three of their best offensive players, and it didn't make any difference. Also, as I also talked about with Frank in the last hour, uh, that you know, Brad Holmes has done an incredible job. He should be hands down the executive year of the NFL. Uh, you, you know, drafting Aiden Hutchinson, I don't think that was you know a really difficult decision, especially after the Jags made the stupid decision with the first pick of the draft. 
uh, and that was you know post Urban Meyer, and they made the dumb decision in the second pick of the draft, or first pick of the draft, excuse me. So Hutchinson second, but the fact that just this year's draft class, you mentioned Laporta, they also drafted Branch and Campbell. And these guys are top-level NFL players right now in their defense right now. And they needed right now uh, you know, assistance on that defense because their defense was atrocious last year. And uh, I think they're the third-best team in the AFC. Or excuse me, the NFC. I think they're the third-best team right now. The Jets topped the Broncos 31-21. Uh, the Broncos down three. Had an opportunity there. Russ, though, was sacked and fumbled. The Jets scooped it up and scored to solidify the game. Russ, 20 of 31, 196 yards, two touchdowns. Zach Wilson, 19 of 26, 199 yards and a pick. And as you had appropriately discussed on Friday, Brees Hall could have had a huge game. He feasted 22 carries, 177 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, he's obviously, this was a really good story because he was injured, obviously, at Denver last year. He suffered a terrible injury. We had no idea when he would come back. We didn't really have an idea at the start of training camp how quickly he'd come back. And he was unbelievable yesterday, and uh, that's great. And uh, I feel badly a little bit for him because he should be the story instead of all this man, you know, Nathaniel Hackett and Sean Payton crap. Uh, the Chiefs, they held on to win 27-20 over the Vikings. Travis Kelsey suffered a low ankle sprain. He returned to the game. Ten catches for him, 67 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the story, though, for the Vikings is monitoring the health of Justin Jefferson. He left the contest with a hamstring injury. He actually has not missed a game since he was drafted by the Vikings. And the one other game, uh, the Dolphins beat the Giants 31-16 to and monitoring Daniel Jones's health. He left the game with with a neck injury okay. set to have an MRI today. NFL Network reporting that Jefferson is almost for sure going to miss at least one game. Hour number two of the Extra Point is next.